0: what's up everybody welcome to episode 12 i think of the thirst for knowledge podcast it's your boy lawrence with uh my co-host steven hendrickson how you doing steve
1: good man i'm gonna start uh exploring the the wilds yeah, yeah.
0: We got some new hotness on the scene, but let's let's dive into the old
1: hotness and then slowly turn up the heat, right? I mean it's our it's it's the original hotness. <laughs> but yeah, did you uh did you play any legacy this weekend or
0: I did last week?
1: I did. I played uh uh Banta Oko.
0: Okay. Okay. Was that like Oko Miracles or just like a mid range style deck? I know Callum's been
1: playing some Oko good stuff. Um, originally, it was a Bant Miracles list. I think I posted it in our Discord and I talked about it. And uh, I kept getting frustrated uh, drawing terminuses. So I cut them and put Snow Strix in their place.
0: Interesting. And how's that been for you? Uh,
1: A whole lot better. Um, I've just found that it's kind of like the day's thing with Delver, or the Days Stifle thing with Delver. People play around it. Same thing with Terminus. Like, nobody's ever... Like, my Terminus is only getting, like, one creature, or a creature and a cantrip creature, so it's really just getting... It's a one-for-one. But it's super obnoxious and kind of unwieldy. And Snowstrix was great, so... Sure. Um,
0: Kind of reminds me... Oh, man. Sorry, I was, like, reading a tweet. Um, So it reminds me of the, like, Just Guy Mentor deck where people... You look like miracles for a long enough time that people are going to play around Terminus. And I kind of wonder if you're capitalizing on that. Like, the whole looking like a deck that has Terminus until you play a card that heavily signals hey I don't have this effect so your opponent sh- should likely play into it but a lot of your opponents are just not going to do so um, do you feel that's the well, case
1: or I still had a verdict in the main and a verdict in the side um so like I could become more of a heavy control deck I just it was honestly like um, there's a one of Savine's reclamation in the deck I'll make sure and post in the show notes but um, and that Reclamation was actually better because of, uh, Snowstrix, and just everything kind of played a lot better.
0: Sure, but, like, if I'm playing against a deck and I, like, have the read, they don't have permanents, I'm just gonna disrespect them, because I know these deck shows often only play one Supreme bird. Was that a thing that came up for you, or?
1: Uh, I lost against Hogak Depths. One game because they just they went idiot, idiot 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 and I died. But it was like game two, so my second verdict was in, and um my wings of abandon was an out because that's a main deck card in my deck, and that was an out because I had six mana. Because they're talking out? about wings of abandon. The yes, like,
0: wrath to exile.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I chose not to play. Predictor AK. Okay. And I chose to play my one Deprived with my two Mystic Sanctuaries. And my, because my card engine is the Teferi Astrolabe engine. So I didn't want to like, I either had to cut or Teferi for the AKs or run AKs. And I chose the other way around. But then my Mystic Sanctuaries were actually kind of bad at the two drops. I had tons of twos. I just didn't have, um, I didn't have enough twos at that slot to pick up with sanctuary because it was just one deprived. I mean and, that makes
0: sense, right? <clears throat> like you kind of need a very full curve to truly maximize sanctuary's ability. Otherwise, you're just buying back ponders, right?
1: Right, right. Well, I mean, I had tons of th- I have tons of threes uh, between two Council's judgments, a savine reclamation. And something else, but the the main problem was the main problem was just the twos was just one two drop, and I was gonna run unexpectedly absent since you've mentioned before that's like my invitational card, but
0: <laughs> I thought that was Bainslayer Angel,
1: that too. Uh, I guess
0: I guess I should explain that joke. Um, the first time I met Steve, it was an SCG Classic or. 5k or whatever it was um it was when they were 5ks or not 5ks uh premier I guess there we go um and i end up burning one of his matches and i look at his opponent's board state and it's batter skull G-taste sort of firing her. i'm like oh steve is losing and then i slightly look down and i see steve's board state <laughs> moat <laughs> bane slayer angel since he's a flying top, counterbalance. <laughs> care knows God of the storms. <laughs> I'm just like, why is this game going on still?
1: <laughs> and he thought he had a chance. <laughs> they, they
0: they most definitely didn't have a chance. Like they needed to scoop for life equity. Um, your opponent was most definitely dead. But yeah, so that's that's how I met Steve, kind of. And uh, that is a. Uh, that is where the nickname four drop Steve or Five Drop Steve came from.
1: Oh, it's been everywhere from like seven drop to eight drop. It's been it's been uh quite a lot of drops. So
0: see four greater drop Steve.
1: But uh but anyways, like so I basically trimmed like the terminuses. I did have a um uh decree of justice that was actually really good. But I cut it <clears throat> to, get, to get my numbers a little more. I kept drawing it. Like If, if I have a one-of, it will always be in my opener. If I have a clunky one-of that's like corner case for later, it's always in my opener. It was just too many times that it was in my opener. But um, I played against like Hogak Depths. I got there 2-1. I played against Rixus, Dreadhorde Arcanist, and... Uh, Oko stole an Arcanist and they they didn't have any more fun. So like they, they had to like they were trying to pressure my Oko because he was at seven loyalty because <laughs> that was like the second turn in play. Sure. <laughs> and so like they went Dover, Arcanist, Tarmogoyf, pass, I untapped, I killed Tarmogoyf. I gave them the food token and took the Arcanist. And they got to attack and kill my Oko later, but... So... <laughs> like, you know you know, what's really good about Arcanist? When you don't have to play red mana and still get to play Arcanist. So...
0: Right, right. You get the whole, like, two mana Jason White Sculptor on a stick. And uh, get to abuse your opponent.
1: Yep. But, uh, and then the th- third matchup was storm um but i have three counterbalances in my 75 two in the main one on the side and <clears throat> he didn't have fun like he was not happy about counterbalance at all so um which i, I get like I, I had it in all three games i had it on turn two and like the only the game he won because i put it on turn it was game one i put it on turn two and then he just went for empty, hoping I didn't hit terminus. Not knowing there was no terminuses to hit. But um Uh Okay. Like he he just had to go for the he was playing Tess. And he had to go for it because like the counterbalance was in play and it wasn't gonna get any better with me untapping. So in the fourth round was something else, uh it was D and T, but Oko doesn't care about D and T, so it didn't matter. Like and I and I know it's like awful to say Oko doesn't care about team, but I really felt like that's how the the games went. So the uh, deck's great, Oko's great. Uh, I actually liked Oko better than Jace in every game. And Astrolabes I think are really good for the Mystic Sanctuary deck. For the simple fact that when you play Astrolabe, it allows you to stay on islands uh, longer to get to your Mystic Sanctuary. It's, you know, it's usually a turn four then. So I was very happy with it.
0: I can dig it. Uh, I I personally didn't play a lot of Legacy this weekend. I played a little bit of Delver, uh, did okay. And then I tried Stryphos Pile. Um... That deck is interesting. Um, When you're playing it, you definitely start to notice the lack of one-drop interaction uh, in terms of... Like, he has three discard spells and a spell snare. So in a lot of games, there was just, like, a lot of doing nothing on turn one outside of, like, maybe cantripping with Ponder or whatever. And I found myself struggling very much in the early game, and then in the, like, mid to late game... I would just dominate because my deck was just nothing but, like, powerful two drops. But I definitely found myself missing, like, Fatal Push. And he's currently down to two copies of Punishing Fire. And I kind of struggle to believe that continuing to play, like, the two copies in the deck is are worth it, right? Like, you can potentially play something else in those slots and have a similarly potent deck, Punishing Fire... Is only really great against the other control decks. And uh outside of that, like where where is it really good? Like it's not insane against Delver if he's never playing like young Pyromancer, Death Rite, etc. Um It's just like Tarmogoyf and like people are playing thicker threats, right? Like the buff boys and uh I I found Punching Fire to like mostly just be a draw engine, but it was like very clunky and awkward. Um, I think my league was like kind of abysmal. I played three or four Delver matchups, and I forgot that last week Chase mentioned that he boards in Surgical against Delver. And uh, when I did forget, remember,
1: did you forget or did you just not believe?
0: No, I I forgot. And then I remembered exactly as my opponent was Ren and Six Wasteland locking me game two when I was down a game. And I was like, oh, yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm very much inclined to believe that if you Surgical their Wastelands with, like, his current build, you're very favored to win. Because you just have answers for everything. Like, if your mana is untouched, you just get to do whatever you want. But if they get to interact with your mana base... It's really uncomfortable.
1: So yeah. I could see that. I could see that. I'm trying to think about like like I always felt like his mana base was kinda like if it was kind of harsh, but then he's also got the and 6 to kind of get away with it. So
0: Yeah, we talked a bit after Mid League and I mentioned like hey, I kind of wanted more one drop removal in like either lightning bolt or fatal push. It's just because I felt like I wasn't mana fish enough in the early terms. Um, and then, like, his mana base is just so awkward. Um, like I said, when you have your mana out, like, under you, you're fine. But the matches where I just played against Wasteland and didn't have and 6 he just got bodied. And we discussed the third Rinin6. Um, he has, like, mixed feelings on it. Like, he started with three and then went down to two. I. I feel like this deck should probably be playing three, but I'm also not sure this deck should exist in its current iteration, right? Like I'm really not sure four color is worth it, and I'm just can't say for sure that uh Punishing Fire is just a card that you should be playing, right? It's it's just so low impact relative to the field.
1: Yeah, we talked about that in the last episode where not we don't there's nothing in the Like, outside of getting value off of Dak Faden, there's nothing you really want to shock. Like, it's basically just a value play.
0: Right. It's like it kills Dover secrets, and then it kind of just does nothing else. Like, in the late game, when you have infinite mana, Punishing Fire really just brutalizes your opponent. But before then, it kind of is just this liability of
1: an effect. I played two punishing fires and two groves in my four seek deck. But it, like I already had made the the commitment that if I played in the GP, the same deck, I wasn't going to play the punishing fire engine. That's because my local shop has a lot of mirror crusaders and nonsense like that so yeah, I, and I and I refuse to play lightning bolt. So like I think yeah, I, I don't know like what it's cuz you already have Ren and six getting lands to filter DAC with. So do you really need the extra cards from Punishing Fire to do it? You know, and because you're doing it just for that at that point, because I don't think there's anything that shocks in the format. So, I mean, Delver of Secrets, but playing a two mana card to kill Delver of Secrets, just seems miserable. So
0: I'm just not sold that DAC is worth, I guess like playing one or two copies with Red Six is fine. Is like Run Six will buy back your lands and you can just bend them and it's similar dynamic to the Punishing Fire Engine a little less controllable um but I don't know I just wasn't like the deck felt powerful right like you can't deny that it's just objectively a bunch of powerful cards but it's inability to interact on a reasonable curve Felt like I was constantly fighting uphill and just constantly had to outplay my opponents, and that isn't necessarily uh, where
1: I really want to be. No, I think like it's basically a four C control deck with Tarmogoy's deck fading and Punishing Fires, and like all of those cards require a cost from the deck. You're giving up the Astralay package in the one half of the 4C decks, or you're giving up uh, the Wastelands from the other sides of the 4C color decks. And you're gaining Dak Faden, which is the greatest thief in the multiverse, but I don't think there's much to actually steal in Legacy, so it's not that great. He's just a reusable faithful suiting, And I'm not sure if that's worth it. Um, the Tarmogoyves are great. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the Tarmogoyves. Uh, I want to steal the voice and put them in my 4C deck when I play it.
0: I agree. I, I'm really big on the goyphs. Um they, They're kind of just like the Wall of Omens you really want. Like, if Wall of Omens didn't draw a card and could attack, that would be Tarmogoyce, and that's exactly what the type of deck wants. Like, there are certain combo shells. Um, they're, they're just like a bevy of random decks that Definitely want you to like have a clock in play, right? And Tarmogoy just facilitates that perfectly. It's compact. It, I mean, that's basically it. It's compact and it's like gets really big as you
1: interact with your opponent. <clears throat> and that's all you're really doing. Well, and it doesn't die to um, any of the common blast effects. So, it makes them have to change up what they're doing. Like, they they actually have to leave removal in against your deck. And if you know your opponent's leaving in removal against your deck, you can play around it a lot easier. Like, you can just play out your cards that are Silvergirl Adapt Effects first and, you know, drain them and then finally goif them. And if it's a matchup that's you're uncomfortable, like Eldrazi or uh, some kind of combo deck, at least guys can get down and try to get busy, like finish the game out. So, because I think yeah. that's the biggest issue with the normal four four color decks is they can't fit, they can't close the game.
0: For sure, like there's definitely an issue with these shells that they're uh, they're jund without the ability to stop the opponents. Like they, they so jund historically has is the issue where it can't stop the opponent's top decks, right? You're just yep. like there with your Tarmagoy for whatever and they topic something or you're just like, oh yeah, I'm playing Jun. Like thoughtsies can't target the opponent's top of the deck. And his like generally you'd play counter spells to do that. And what these like very greedy control S decks are doing are kind of implementing the Jun plan, but they're eliminating the plot that Jund usually plays as a way to actually mitigate the opponent's top decks. So what you end up with is just like a deck that's leaning way too heavily on Jace the Mind Sculptor, or whatever.
1: Yeah, I okay, mean, this is this is definitely a, a Jace deck, um, a chase Jace, Jace deck. I don't know about the one spell snare; it seems kind of the like snare I, I was would...
0: the snare was medium. I feel like this deck just wants to be using its mana proactively. I like, I get the snare. Like I really do. You want a certain amount of counter magic to interact with storm, but I feel like you really just mostly want to interact proactively. Um,
1: yeah, I want I want the K command. I can't believe this deck doesn't run a main deck K command. You don't have time to cast that card. You're you're saying that. I'm looking at a lot of three drops. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's why you don't have time to cast K command. You have a bunch of other three drops, right? Oh, okay. So I much guess else so. going on with your mana that, like, where are you gonna? When are you gonna cast a K command? When are you putting creatures in the graveyard? Right? Like, the no main to K command makes sense to me based on just the spell distribution. It was just like,
1: I would cut some backfades... I would cut some Dak Faden's for some P-Fires, or um, K-Commands, because it's the same spell. Like, they're both value spells, and they like, both deal with artifacts.
0: Yeah, I agree to a degree. Like, to agree, degree, I agree. Dak Faden, P-Fire, like, that engine just feels so weak right now, and it feels like it's only really good against control decks.
1: Um, I mean, you're already, you're already holding up a bunch of mana with Drown the Lock and, like, Assassin's Trophy and stuff. You're holding mana up. And Tyrant Scorn, so like I feel like the slots could be a K command, and then you're still holding that man up, but you can also K command buy back Koi for or smash faces.
0: I in theory like Tyrant Scorn, like it gives you actual counter magic that you can play in this deck shell because before it just straight up couldn't play it. And, and you're um, speaking of Drown the Lock, correct? Yes, Drown and Lock. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I felt like it was okay. My experience playing that card across multiple formats has been that it's just like very okay. You know, sometimes it just falls short of being the counter spell you want. Sometimes it's just short of the removal spell you want. And um I don't know. In legacy, just because the like CMC of cards is so cheap, you can usually get away with drawing Lock being live constantly. So I'm definitely interested in in that card in Chase's deck, but it feels like some of the other cards surrounding it or just like some of the sacred pals of this deck shall maybe need to be reevaluated.
1: Yep. I mean I don't I've been playing it in Grixis, but the Grixis deck has hemdaterox. So it's actually an upgrade to that deck style that that type of deck. Um I mean, having having your fatal pushes now become counter spells is pretty good. Pretty good, right? And right. And with 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 uh, thought seizes and hymns and Liliana the Veils, you're able to facilitate the card a lot easier. Um, but that's a Grixis. So I don't know about this deck. This deck's got. I think he has to run it right because he needs some counter spells. It just probably it starts out dead. Yeah, I, I mean, before he
0: couldn't run counter spells, right? Like, his deck couldn't afford to like, ever just straight up run a classical counter spell, maybe spell or whatever. But now he has the addition of um, Drowned in the Lock, which, because of its modal functionality, it just slides right into the deck perfectly.
1: It's the most elegant card that Wizards has made in a long time. Because again, it does everything you really want. Like, it's a counter spell in your deck, but if the thing got down first, you can just kill it. And it requires your opponent to like, have their graveyard matter. Like, the graveyard has had to fill up. It's not just straight hot fire where it's like, two mana, kill something, counter something. Like, there is some actual requirements. And it can actually be dead in certain types. So, I actually like the card a lot. It's you know, compared to other cards they've been throwing at us that are just nukes. It's
0: it's a card that rewards you for interacting. Yes. Which is like what most players want, right?
1: Yes. And it's not just, you know, when you draw a counterspell and the thing's already in play, you're angry. You're, you're mad. Like, if I'd have just drawn that counterspell one turn sooner... And Drown and Lock offers you that top deck, but that's not dead, you know. It's not a force right. of will off the off the top after the Delver's about to kill you. So I think it's I think it's a really good card as far as like power level, but it's not busted. You know, not like some of these planeswalkers that are in Chase's list, and not the ones that uh have been printed before 2019. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I for think
1: sure. I think that'll be like my my dream that we wake up in 2019s. Planeswalkers have lost their spark and been banished to another plane. Yeah. Um
0: So I mentioned before that I forgot to board in Surgical Against Steel which is very counterintuitive, right? Yes. And. That kind of got me thinking about how Surgical isn't that great in the formula at the moment. I know in Delver I'm running two Grafdigger's Cage, one Surgical. And the one Surgical is just like, you know, counter your show and tell Surgical it. Just to have like a little extra flexibility. Maybe have that extra game against Life and Loam or what have you. But I'm not casting Force Negation or something similar. But it... um. Kind of brought up the the fact that like the existence of force negation, and the fact that there are like fewer recurring threats. Like punishing fires dropped, life throw is dropped, reanimators still exist, but you can still combat it with other effects right? So, I've noticed that surgical less equity, graph diggers cage a lot more equity, and I've been leaning harder and on graph diggers cage in conjunction with, like, six copies of Force of, you know, Your Spell Doesn't Resolve, and um, that's been good enough. So it's, like, it it was an interesting feeling to, like, actively want Surgical Extraction, a matchup where I classically wouldn't think to board it in, and then, like, also go, maybe I should just cut this card for my 75. Like, right now I'm at one, probably staying at one. But I, I've i seen Delver lists that do just outright cut surgical. And I don't think that's inherently wrong. But I'm not sure I'm quite willing to do that. Maybe it's a sacred cow, right? But um, I feel like there's enough spots where surgical does just enough for you to want the single copy. It's very odd how permanent-based hate is so powerful relative to something like surgical or just like you know spellbomb's fine but rest in peace graft digger's cage Ley line of the void containment priest all these effects are just so immensely better and i found that they aren't that hard to leverage as long as the rest of your deck is constructed such that you can survive to the turn where you can play them right like before players were playing two Surgicals, two to three Surgicals fairly religiously, because it was just like, I need seven to eight interaction points against Black Red Reanimator on turn zero. I need Waste and Exile Life from Alone. And when you look at the decks now, it's like people are playing Four Force of Will, you know, one to two Force of Negation, maybe a Surgical or so. And they're staying at the same density of a like turn zero interaction. Uh, that they would have had before and it's it's gonna be interesting to see how things move forward because if people are running fewer surgicals like that kind of makes me want to play more land like yeah force negation is a, but you can overlord force negation with like sylvan library and Ren and six or whatever um there is some debate whether or not Ren and six is worth playing but you get my point like There are cards that this deck shell can play to overload overload these effects and then maybe free the way for, you know, surgical extraction to, like, be the only card that interacts, but maybe your opponent doesn't have it. Probably they don't. And, um, I kind of was thinking about a lot of the lands lists I've seen recently, and... A lot of them are like, they're built kind of oddly. Um, for some reason, as the number of Tundra decks have decreased in popularity and the number of Tarmaboys has increased in popularity, we've seen a decrease in Maze of Ith and an increase in, uh, what's the card? Field of the Dead? Field of the Dead, yes. Which doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Um,. Like I just kinda don't get it. Like I, I guess the, like Maze Vith, sure. You can you can play your maze of Ith and maybe like the Renin Six Waste lock becomes a problem. I could definitely understand that. And like I don't know like there's a, a lot of games where I play with Rut Delver where I play Tarmagoy. Or Hooting mandrels, or just, like, anything that doesn't die to punish and fire and attacks. And I just beat my opponent to death with it. And I'm I'm not sure these decks really want to, you know, be on one maze for that very reason. Like, I feel like the effect is pretty powerful right now. And given, like, there's a lot of space that they're the maze is fighting for, right? There's Field of Dead. Uh, Blast Zone recently got added to these deck shells. There's just a lot of new stuff going on. So maybe there just isn't the space. But it's still something to consider.
1: Yeah, I think... um, I think they're trying to... to, So I think Red-Green Combo Lands is unfortunately um, trying to fight too much. Uh, So all the mid-range decks got a living, breathing Crucible that can also ping you. And then on the flip side, all the combo decks, because of Ren and 6 have had to get fast have had to get faster as well. And so I think that they've cut these like maze of Iths and stuff because the maze of Iths were the they were the grind card, right? Like the, the ultimate do nothing except for stop creatures. Sure, and like before
0: people could machine gun wasteland you ad nauseum, maze of it was the card that kept you afloat. And I, I understand that, like, my question is, you know, if you have um, exhibition in play, right, you can play your mazevith and then you can play your combo piece. And you can put your opponent in a spot where they can't really wasteland your mazevith because then you'll combo. So that's kind. that's kind of where I'm coming from, just a position of wondering which plan is better to lean, uh, lean in on, where can you gain your equity, and you know, I, I feel like there's just something here. Like, Rugged delver is the best deck. I don't think that matchup is inherently bad, as long as you aren't leaving yourself straight cold to a lot of the threats that the deck is playing, which these shells are. Yeah,
1: the last big list was the I think it's was Casey was that Casey Land. Uh
0: no, there was a list that did well at the at an SCG classic that had That's a what I was Decay. About. No, that wasn't Casey. That was um someone else whose name I don't quite recall. Okay.
1: Well they, they had um yeah the two decays. So they those two decays could easily become what, three maze of it. it's just like that. Um they only have two P Fires.
0: Decay honestly makes sense to me, though, right? I've like,
1: been six. talking about how
0: Ren and Six just bodies this deck yep. or mitigates the game plan of the shell, so it Very makes thin- sense to me to play Abrupt Decay to answer it.
1: And that's probably why the Blast Zone's there, too. Uh, the Field of the Dead, I don't know. I'd probably put that in the sideboard, if it was me personally, just because I don't think that's a main deck card. Hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: Tundra's pretty common at these events, right?
1: Right, right, but you can sideboard that. I really don't think, like, I think the land that requires you have six other lands that are all one of like, I think that can be, like, way, way down the line.
0: Yeah, but Um, when you're playing three copies of Dark Depths, like, you have to find something else to lean in on. So, they likely cut their fourth copy of Dark Depths for this effect. Or you could argue, like, it was the Ghost Court of the Caracas. But, like, realistically, you know, it was, like, the fourth copy of Dark Depths. So you can't really cut the win condition. I get what you're saying, that it's just, like, not a universal win condition, and there are going to be some matchups where it's just going to be abnormally good. But
1: I think game I think one, yeah. Uh... That's what I was saying. Like, I think it could go to the sideboard, and the third decay could the main deck. And you could still run like a bunch of removal then and not have that clunker in your deck in the main deck like i think the card's fine post board if surgicals are still being played now if surgicals aren't being played anymore at all i wouldn't even play the card i just play four dark taps and call it a day
0: i don't know fielded that is kind of like you don't realize how ridiculously obnoxious that card is until you play it right it's, you know, I I played a little modern. I played Amulet, Field of the Dead. And Jesus Christ, that card is ridiculous. So, like, there's a lot of, like, ground-based attacking strategies that it just shuts off, and eventually you just overwhelm your opponent.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, you've you missed out on Arena, so... <laughs> I have played against this card. I've played with this card. I find this card to be miserable. <laughs> but like, it's there's ramp strategies that are doing that. And even like Amulet is still a ramp strategy. And this, this deck is not ramping. It's got Explorations. But I guess one mana bond. But I feel like it's going to be hard to turn it on before a legitimate turn especially with like a nurturing peatland like you've got like you've got a lot of lands between blast zone dark depths nurturing peatland you're killing your land count a lot and ghost quarter and wastelands yeah like like i get
0: your argument it's like it's not a card that stifles early game aggression which is an effect that lands once and that's why maze was good like, it gave you time to set up for other things. And if you lose a lot of, like, damage or take a lot of damage in the early game, um,
1: it won't save you.
0: Right. Your opponent just bolts you out at some point, right? So that's the issue with cutting maze with nurturing Pete when a one to one swap. Uh, same with Blast Zone. Like, you're, you're just agreeing to use your life total as way more of a resource than you may necessarily want to and um i like it's one of those situations of i don't think it's correct but i'm not sure what to change right i don't play enough of the deck to have the educated opinion on what uh, card effects are less important and that's where like my knowledge falls short like you know this deck has mana bond which makes sense. You want Mana Bond for um, your Field of the Dead and obviously like your combo, but Mana Bond's also a card that gets cut in every post war So maybe Mana Bond should just be another Abrupt Decay, but you probably need a certain number of Accelerants. I guess eight is probably the minimum in terms of your boxes and um, explorations, but. The ninth one seems kind of appealing, but I could also see that being another Sylvan library. Like there's a lot of things you could do with this deck. And I feel like it, I feel like people have just been saying lands is bad because XYZ or written six. And that isn't really the case. I feel like it's been somewhat of a a facetious notion, right? It just doesn't logically pan out for me.
1: I mean, honestly, like, field of the dead. I think it, I think it'd go away just because I feel like it Field like that's dead, you're you're already winning as lands, so like that's all. Also, I'm gonna say about it. Like, I really feel like strongly that if that field of the dead is is doing something positive in the lands deck, that lands deck has already won the game and it's just closing it. Um. Sure, I could see that. I'm like, what do you mean? It's basically just
0: like your opponent hasn't been doing anything of relevance for quite some time or long enough for you to actually get the Field of the Dead like, situation going. One thing that stuck out to me was maybe Worm Harvest is a card that people should look at again. Um, it's obviously worse against Rest in Peace, which is a card that's seen a lot of play. Or... A spike in play, not a, necessarily a lot. But it's and, better than Surgical. Right. And, like, Grafter's Cages is a card people are playing, but it's not good enough to board in against lands. And then, as we mentioned before, Surgical is dropping in numbers played. So a card like Worm Harvest sticks out to me as just, like, your fair game, fair deck killer, because it's, like, an awkward CMC for the control decks to float with counterbalance against the Delverdex or whatever, it is a high converted mana cost, but it does give you a lot to work with. And the fact that you can just dredge over it is really nice. So that is something that... Uh,
1: well, your decks I... are also nothing but mana, right?
0: Right, right. You have a lot of mana sources. And with more and more people attacking on the ground, and they're attacking tall as opposed to wide. Like before it was the Unkiremancer and so a bunch of effects. And now it's just like, here's my single Tarmogoy for Hooting Mandrels or True Dame. Hope you can't deal with it. I feel like something that goes wider uh, gives you a lot more to work with.
1: Yeah. I don't like the Mana Bond. So I would probably do... I would do a Harvest over Mana Bond. I don't like the Mana Bond because this deck has... uh, It cut a gamble. I'm not ever happy with that. And then when you look at it, it's got so many spells. Like... The Sylvan Library, the decays, uh, the Gambles, crop rots. These are all cards. If you have to mana bond, like if you if it's in your opener, you have to almost do it. But if there's a library in your opener as well, like your mana bonds, probably going to be put on hold. And I'm just not sure if I want to create that inconsistent life. You know, like if you have life in the loan, abrupt decay, mana bond lands you're still probably going to play the mana bond right
0: you're going to play the mana bond and maybe not activate it because there aren't many other abrupt decay floating around but you're probably chilling on the mana bond
1: for a while until right. like it becomes really advantageous for you to trigger it so it does nothing right like until you activate like it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's something that's just sitting there and it's a future investment but the problem, like almost all legacy cards have moved beyond. We're beyond those those cards where we put something down because in the future it's gonna be really cool. And I and I feel like Mana Bond's just not it's not gonna be relevant in your deck. Where fourth gamble, Warm Harvest, Second Maze of If, these are all things that would probably be much better than the Mana Bond. Second Sylvan Library. The fact that it's only playing one is super egregious to me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like
0: it, having six powerful two-drops is um, really, really relevant.
1: Oh, I agree. I just don't know if I want one Sylvan Library and not two. Right? Like, do you feel like you'd rather have a second one? Because you want to make sure and have that effect?
0: Having a bunch of things to do on turn one. Off of your Mox Diamond seems pretty critical to me. Um are Ren and Six.
1: Even the one of Ren and Six might be better.
0: Maybe. I feel like Ren and Six is just vastly overrated in lands. Um, like, I can see it as maybe a sideboard option. I, I'm not sure. Like, people are going to board a bunch of grave hate against you, so there's only so far Ren and Six can go. It just kind of feels like the hotness that people are playing, like, uh, this list has three Elvish Reclaimer in the sideboard, and I'm a big fan of that. Just, you know, board in your, your dudes. Just attack them with your one-twos that become armored waves, and your
1: opponent's going to have to respect at a certain point in the game. Or like even a Vortex. Like, a Vortex could be better. Like, there's a lot of cards that could have been in that Mana Bond spot. I think the Mana Bond is like, it's... It's the religious thing, right? Like, it's the thing you've always done, so you're just doing it. And I'm not Uh, sure if it's correct.
0: I feel like a lot of lists cut Manabond leading up to this. At least some of the Japanese lists that were playing Sylvan Library. So I feel like it was a conscious decision to re-add Manabond over something else. Like they Maybe that's personally seeing something uh, that we weren't. Maybe it was just like, hey, I have Field of the Dead mana bond really good with field of the dead let's
1: go yeah, yeah. And they're probably just racing that's what i would probably lean towards they're just racing and that's all it is it's their hedge to to do the race because right now legacy is a race so maybe like they're actually correct i just find it hard to believe like you have field of the dead and mana bond like, and they're pull cool in different directions yeah if it was a race um
0: I don't know. Three Dark Depths doesn't really say I'm trying to race you, but right. I I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things going on with this list. It kind of feels like uh, with a lot of legacy decks right now, the card pool that you want to play is much wider than what you can actually afford to play.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So a lot of deck lists don't feel necessarily tuned as opposed to just kind of playing what they can afford, right? So this well, is kind of what you get. It's not even galaxy brain, right? It's just like making concessions. There are fewer and fewer decks where you can afford to. Like when Wasteland spikes in value, going leaning heavier on Dark Depths gets worse. So you want to lean heavier on, you know, interactive points or alternative win cons. So it's it less oh, galaxy yeah. brain. And like it makes sense on a level one scale. It's just one of those awkward things of creating deck building tension.
1: Right. Well, when I say games, it's going to be I'm beyond, beyond me. Like, I don't, I feel like right now you either really want to be fast or you really want to not die. And that's it. Like, that's where, legacy's out for me. Like, I feel like the medium speed is... Isn't so, and maybe that's wrong, but I feel like fast are don't die is it's like every legacy deck I, for me right now i can identify like that. Like, oh so this deck's critical part is turn three they're gonna kill them but this turn this deck is look here it's built it's points and not die at these turns cause that's just, you know that's where it's trying not to die so, and that's all it's doing and this and this lands deck looks like it's trying to do sure and lands is this-
0: Definitely a weird anomaly and I imagine some people are still playing the deck based on you know, it's it's what I play. Like Yakat played it, uh Toru, I can't remember his last name, uh Japanese player top aided a recent Japanese GP um with the deck, you know, is known for playing it, has tried pretty hot tech, he's tried lingering souls in the sideboard. Done a lot of like, cool ideas Ooh. with the
1: deck. Ooh. Ooh. We need to give him the, uh, the new castle, Arendelle. It's like a fix the uh, join callpost.
0: <laughs> I I don't think he's gonna go that deep. I mean, that card doesn't. That card enters tapped unless
1: you control planes. I agree. So you can play Savannah. He's there. He's got it. Play one Savannah. <sighs> you got it. You you tap it to make things from the rest of the game. But it's a land. It's got to be better than land.
0: I I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. Mm. I mm. um one thing that was interesting over the weekend is I can't remember if I played against this person or if I was watching a stream. I think I was watching Arkin's stream or someone else stream. And they played against a Delver deck that was Blue Renan base with um Golden Goose and Once Upon a Time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Arkin who played this match, and it was interesting to watch this all pan out because Once Upon a Time is like a card that you think would be interesting in Delver, right? It has the like Gethaxian Probe effect where, like, you in theory get to flicker Delver off of a spell, but also get to like hit a land or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. But yeah, like you would have to drop the planeswalkers. I don't know how you play the goose without walkers. If you play um, the deuce, you're playing goose, probably playing. The
0: walkers. They had a stack of okos. Um, okay. as expected, right? Like you can't play yes. bird of food token without playing some number of oko, because it just doesn't make sense to do so. Like there's no reason to lean that heavily on blue green. Uh, right. Because like you don't have the removal package, or well, I, I they may have been oh, okay. rug. they may have been rug. I can't remember, but okay, well, they the did have been... <laughs> they did have oko. Uh, once upon a time seemed interesting. They did whiff one game, like it's it's awkward because once upon a time, when you cast it for free, it's obviously gonna be like pretty nuts in terms of fixing your hand to agree. But uh, when you have to pay mana, it's just a horrible rate for a Delver deck. Because, like, in the mid-game, you're not necessarily looking just for a creature or land. Often, you're not even looking for a land. You're probably looking for a particular spell effect. Yes. So the narrow nature of the cantrip uh, becomes a huge downside, right?
1: Well, actually, I was doing the numbers. I, I, I don't, I don't... You know, I'm just rough guessing. But, like, after you've fetched, like, two or three times and played a couple creatures, that thing's got to be sub-30%. <laughs> like, it's like, you need to, to actual cast. Like, the first one's fine. Because the first one, you're going to have a high enough density of, I guess it's still 50-50 on the deck with lands and creatures. Percentage wise. But uh let's say you have like eighteen to nineteen lands, right? Um, I was going nineteen, ten and two walkers, right? I mean I 10 feel like
0: creatures it's... I feel like you can't play ten creatures. Like what that's that's four goose, four delver, four goif, and
1: then two something else. That's, well that's fourteen. <sighs> that's fourteen, sir.
0: So, four goose, four delver, four? That's... Yeah, that is. Sorry. I miscounted. Um that's why I figure you have to... It's like, got to be at least 10 creatures if you've got you have, I feel like you have to start at baseline 12, right? Okay. You can't, you can't have less than four Delver and four goif And then at, on top of that, like you want other threats, potentially. I guess you could lean in on Oko being threats, but why would you go so deep on playing a cantrip that can't even find a bunch of your threats and like you're playing a Delver deck
1: that only has eight creatures that relevantly attack? Well, so I was thinking that it's going to be at least a 30. 30 split. Like, 30 spells, 30 creature lands. Even if it's 35, uh, 35 creatures and lands and walkers, 25 spells, which, god, that sounds, like, awful when you figure 12 of them are cantrips. So it leaves you, like, not a lot of room for other spells. But, like, you take the once once upon a time that you're casting. You figure like the two lands are in play, like it's probably gonna be like a 50-50 split. Like on the like the first, but like on but, the, late, the later game, like, as the creatures get pulled out of the deck and don't return, and the lands fetch up, that once upon a time's got to be really whiffing. The eight
0: <laughs> slots that like you take up playing Goose and Once Upon a Time probably aren't worth it for the payoff of being able to play like Oka on turn two, which like is gonna win you a number of games, but there's also just like as many games as just playing a power boy on turn two is gonna win you, right? Or just like stifling your opponent is gonna win you. Or just like having a reasonable interactive ability on turn two will win you as opposed to what um these other decks are doing so
1: right well i just don't i think the math is just isn't there i feel like the the last the the second or third once upon a time is 100% going to miss as creatures get pulled out of your deck and your land pulled out of your deck you're you're just not going to hit anything in your deck and the goose man like when you're both top decking like you played delver you played delver a lot when you're both top decking, you, you top deck that goose. You're not gonna be happy at all. I'm jumping yeah. off a bridge. <laughs> I'm I'm typing BRB in MotoChat,
0: I'm opening <laughs> Google. I'm finding the nearest bridge near me, and
1: I'm swan diving off that bridge straight yeah, into traffic
0: or water or whatever. Like,
1: are you like you not like not a Delver mirror, right? Like you're like, playing at some random deck. They're at three life. You draw your creature for three. It does cost one mana. It can fly, but it has zero power.
0: Like, in theory, Goose does gain you three life, which could potentially buy you another draw. Step in Legacy and a decent number of matchups. And, like, obviously, if you, like, draw Goose and an Oko, you're kind of just, like, happy. Or even, like, a late-game Goose, you could, like, turn into a three-three non-invasive elk or whatever. But
1: ugh. Man, I'd rather have Land War Elf. There's a big Honestly. difference
0: between, like, Goose and, like, you know, even, like, the Bane Stoneblade decks used from Deathrite and Noble. Noble Hired, right? And it's like, well, Noble Hired still converts into some amount of damage, where Goose just doesn't.
1: I'd rather have Noble Hired, too.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even yeah.
1: caring about blue mana you're a deck. All your lands, not for blue. I would take War Elf, Finhorn Elf, Elvish Mystic, whichever elf you want to call it this day of the week, Arbor Elf. And take that guy over the, the goose just because I want my, my creatures to smack face in Delver. So maybe maybe that's the wrong thought. but
0: No, like, I think your creatures need, you, like, Delver decks as a whole are just all about converting one resource into another, right? Like, everything you do is just about taking a resource and converting it into something. And... Whether that be direct damage, you know, killing your opponent, or, you know, turning a daze into a shock, or finding some way to impede your opponent via what have you, like lightning bolting them so they can't tap their Ancient Tomb or whatever. Just, just things like that, like, just everything about that deck is about resource management and taking a resource and converting it. And the thing about Goose is that it, it's just a singular function. Uh... Like a lot of your other cards in Delver, you can find extra uses for them, but Goose is just straight up like a mana dork and a gain some life, but the gain some life isn't proactive, so you're not necessarily playing into Delver's strengths.
1: Right. Well, you know, you know what know, Delver Secrets is like what I've always considered the card, and I feel like if you can if you think of it like this, it makes you a better Delver player. It's it's lightning bolt with retrace. That's all Delver of Secrets is, and the longer you get to retrace it, the better chances you get to win the game. Like you're retracing it by discarding a daze, you're retracing it by discarding a wasteland. But it's just lightning bolt with retrace. That's all Delver of Secrets really is, and if like you, if you really kind of think of it like that way, I think that that's really, really good, and. You know, because I used to think it was lightning bolt with suspend, but because I'd only hit one time and it would die. But like then I really got into like the whole Rug Dover theory and the, the original Rug Dover. And for me it was all about like all these cards are basically letting you retrace your Dover for as long as possible. And the goose just doesn't it doesn't buy it. any of it. Like I can't I can't think of a reason to play that goose. Except for Oko. but I don't even know if that's good because you play daze, so I feel like you're always dazing anyway. So
0: it's it's really hard to justify like goose like death rate obviously pretty easy to justify. Noble Hierarch has some justification in that like you know it can pump one of your other threats that's attacking or you know your goyf can attack through their goyf or whatever. But just straight up goose.
1: Ugh. I mean, if they're both in your hand, you're never playing goose first. And when Death Rite and Delver are in your own hand, you always play Death Rite first. And the people that didn't get that didn't get that the, the Chris's You know? <laughs> like it's just I don't know. The goose the goose is bad. Once upon a time mathematically doesn't work for me. Uh Oko was already in the deck and it's great. Just leave Oko in it. Play that.
0: Yeah, I think one of the biggest traps people make is uh, looking at a card going, this card is really good, how do I maximize it? And then playing a bunch of bad cards to get like the biggest potential out of this good card, as opposed to just playing this good card alongside other good cards. It's yeah. like, if your card is... it's, It's like having a car and knowing that your top speed is 95 miles per hour, but someone goes, hey, if you slide a little cornmeal in your engine, or like sugar... Just, just pop a little sugar in there, right? You'll get that extra boost up to 100 miles per hour, but they don't mention that you're going to murder your engine, right? Right. So it's it's one of those deals where a lot of players tend to murder their engines trying to get that extra five miles per hour as opposed to just settling for something that's already good. And uh, that's what Once Upon a Time in Delver, along with Goose, uh, feels like to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would be okay with Once Upon a Time if it surgically extracted itself from the deck after you cast the first free one. So, like, you cast the free one, and then it That'd rips all other copies. Oh, no doubt. But... <laughs> that would be busted.
0: That, that's way too busted. Agreed. Like, what are you talking about? Like, even if, even if you just, like, cast it for mana, just, like, two mana, get a land or creature... Thin your deck by three cards? What are you talking about,
1: Steve? <laughs> hey, I just don't want to see another one of those copies in my deck. <laughs> like, I, I mean, wanna... all
0: right. So, speaking of once upon a time, I've been, you know, delving into modern, maybe playing this GP, probably not. Uh, haven't really <laughs> settled on a deck. Most likely to just, like, end up trying Neltrod and just being like, yeah, let's Karnum or something. But um, I decided to try Amulet type. And historically, I've been like, eh, I'm not smart enough to play this deck. And uh, I was talking to Brandon Dalloway, and he was like, yeah, so... The whole thing with this deck is, before it was really tough, because you had to build all these contingency plans for Titan Died and whatever. You had to, like, figure <laughs> out, oh, I'm going to pick up my Glorion Rust and get a get, uh, Summers packed and whoop-de-whoop, right? But now you just get Field of the Dead? <laughs> and I played two leagues... The first league, I went 4-1. The second league, I went 3-2. Uh, and there was a lot of just, like, it didn't really matter how I played as long as I could figure out a way to get a Titan in play. And then once I got a Titan in play, my opponent usually just died. Yep. And I'm actually pretty sure that every match I won, I was able to get Titan in play, and every match I lost was a match where I wasn't able to get Titan in play. Uh, so that is a deck that I'm interested in maybe delving a little deeper on. Um, you know, we'll see how things go in the long term, but that that is definitely something that interests me. Uh, it's not it's not a deck where you're like playing Magic in the classical sense. Like you're, it's like solving a puzzle, and then someone is like randomly trying to knock the pieces off the table, and you're trying to like figure out how to solve that puzzle faster before. They can, you know, knock you out of your groove, and uh, I'm definitely interested in doing more of it. It was, it was really, I don't know, I don't want to describe it. I just like would look at my hand and go, "This can do a thing by here," and then I would do that thing, and I like look at my opponent digitally, and they die. Yep. You know, or like I, the second league I played, I lost to Burn and I lost to. Kethis combo. The burn loss probably didn't mulligan properly, right? Whatever yep. happens. Uh, burn is technically a good matchup. And then the three decks I beat were all Crypti Command decks. And it was just embarrassing. Like, I played against the Gris control deck, and at one point I go Titan, Bujukabog myself, so that way if they top deck A, Drown in the Lock, they can't kill my Titan. And it's just, like, one of those things where, like... I just got to embarrass my opponents, uh, along with just getting Field of the Dead in play and just, you know, sitting there eventually and just playing a land every turn and making two zombies. Is I would eventually just like get my second copy of Field of the Dead post board or like clone my Field of the Dead with Masuba. It, it was just one of those weird situations of um this deck is doing things that it. It feels simultaneously reasonable and unreasonable, right? Like, you have draws where you're just like, yep, play my tap land, play my other tap land, play my tap land, pick up my other tap land, and I'm gonna play a tap land. And then you have draws where you're just like, oh, oh, okay, opponent. Um, you got your ARP card, because you're going to the hospital.
1: Uh, yeah, I played it. Two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago. It was after the SCG team event, um, when the first people were playing the Once Upon a Time version.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's. Sorry to cut you off there. Once upon a time, and a. You get to Mulligan so aggressively with this deck now. Yes. It's it's just ridiculous. Like if your opening hand isn't good, you just Mulligan. And you're probably either going to have a, like, reasonable six or you're going to have, like, a a reasonable, like, subpar six with uh, Once Upon a Time. You're just like, yeah, let's just make this happen. And uh, you get there. Sorry, what were you saying?
1: So I played it with the Once Upon a Times in it. And, like, your puzzle comment made me think of, like, what I was discussing with them at the time was the deck. um, I used to think the deck was really hard. It was very much a puzzle. Yeah, it was
0: was definitely a very hard deck before.
1: Yeah, now it's not. (laughs) No,
0: you... Like, I'm not saying it's not hard. Uh, Like, there's definitely intricacies and there's levels to it, right? Right. But, like I said before, the whole game plan of, like, trying to figure out how to, like, build backup Titans and build all these contingency plans have all just gotten turned into Field of the Dead, look at my mana base... One land, two land, three land. Uh, oh, man. I guess I should get, like, these other two lands that don't have the same name and then make some zombies.
1: Here you just get, like, a Field of the Dead and a Kavu land.
0: You yeah. bounce back <laughs> your
1: thing. Then you play your Kavu land for turn. And you're just like, oh, man, I just made two zombies or three zombies. Oops. And then they're like, you know, they're like, oh, I have to kill the Titan and the Field of the... Because even if they kill the Titan, it doesn't matter. The Field of the Dead is still there. Right, and, that's the thing. You just clown them. You yeah. just clown them.
0: And then it's like if the Titan lives, you just get another Field of the Dead. Yeah. So they can't even like draw one interactive point for your Field of the Dead, so they have to draw like answer for Titan and Answer for both of your Field of the Deads, also while making you discard your Kavulan. It's just like or Karulan, sorry. Karulan,
1: sorry. I, again, yeah. Like I actually like remember going uh Karulan, Field of the Dead. Get back Radiant Fountain to my hand. Replay Radiant Fountain, and I'm like I was just like, I think I have every base club covered, and I did. Like, and the game was over, and I was just like, and the, like they had that they showed it was jund, and they showed me they had the removal spell for Titan, but they were like, your life total's already too high. Like, I can't kill to of the dead, so you're just gonna grind me out. And this person had Okos in this board, um, and the Okos were also stupid. Like I brought the Okos in and. Like, they played uh, Rk Post Druid originally, the creature that blows up lands. Um,
0: Fulminator Mage.
1: Yeah, they had Fulminator Mage, right? And so, like, the turn went, they had a Fulminator Mage, and they're they're holding it to blow up a land, and I untapped and went Oko. And they had the best face I've ever seen. They're like, I want to sack this to blow up the land, but then the the Oko was gonna sit there, and do its thing,
0: and you can't like, combat an Oko in a full range. Right,
1: that just isn't how
0: that works. Like,
1: but like <laughs> they, they also didn't want to just blow up a land because Oko would just be completely like, like at least if I elk it, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, the like real if, question is like, why was this person playing Jund in 2019?
1: Man, you know how people are. You know how people are. Steve.
0: I was literal Jund guy. Like, I, I understand, but also, like, there's a point where you have to look at your deck and go, wow, I really don't have good matchups. It's I like, I agree.
1: Like, if uh. I was playing
0: Jund, you could argue, like, oh, yeah, I had, you know, the X, Y, and Z are good matchups. I beat Affinity, and I beat, like, the Zoo deck, and I, I can beat Tron 35% of the time, and control is, like, okay, or whatever. But now you look at the format, it's just like, Decks that kill you by turn three point five consistently.
1: Yes, well, that was what we we talked we discussed it later. Like, I think Oko, in that deck sideboard, I don't know if it's in all of them. I would assume it is, um, at some point. But like, it also like dodged all the hate. Like, the, not yeah, that yeah. the deck has much hate, but like it dealt with like it dealt with uh creatures, it dealt with artifacts that. They don't, like, uh, the, the wet ball. The sphere. Oh, that card does nothing.
0: That card does absolutely nothing. I played, um... No, I bigger, just, my but... guy Esch's list that he sent me. That was, like, a list from the SCG that he played, but he cut, like, a tireless tracker for a chalice of the void because, um... You know, paradoxal outcome. And... The number of times I got dampening scared and just murdered my opponent anyway. Can we talk about Castle Garenberg?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, giving you a critical turn.
0: Oh, my God. The ability, like, that card playing through wet ball is hilarious because your opponent goes wet ball and you're just like, yeah, put some lands in play. By the way, Castle Garenberg, get my primeval titan, go get literally anything plus a field of the dead, stare at you. What are you gonna do? You gonna path exile me? You gonna you gonna path me? Okay, get a forest, make a zombie. Let's
1: go. Uh, the guy, the or guy or girl, we don't know. Uh, a Johnny eighty nine. Sorry, it's a guy. It's a Johnny who played this list on the twenty first. I guess this is the modern deck dump, or it might have been the modern challenge. Oh, modern MTGO, modern PTQ. Uh, it was won by Amulet. Their Okos were in their main deck. Uh, I don't know
0: about all that, but
1: um, <laughs> with A Boreal Grazers, which I've also seen, I played those at in this person's list at the shop, and I didn't understand it. But then I played it, and I was just like, because they were like, it helps the burn matchup, and I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but your
0: like, burn matchup is like technically already good. Like, yeah, but
1: they can't cheese you when you've got an 0-3...
0: Uh I'm like so it gives it's a double edged sword, right? Like it blocks a goblin guys, which is sick, and it gives you more Searing Blood Targets, but giving you more Searing Blood Targets or Searing Blaze targets, whichever one burn plays. I've seen both in these decks. Um is is like perfect in a way because it clears the way for your um what is the card? Azuzu.
1: Uh, what did you do? whatever it's called Azusa? Azusa? Azusa?
0: <laughs> Azusa? Okay, man. Like, have you been watching The Exorcist? Like, no. yeah. Azuzu? Like, we're we're just invoking elder demons at this point. Yes. <laughs> Is this the way to Twitter Cloud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: she's lost but seeking. She's looking for. She's looking to be called. Uh, she's a. Uh, Yeah, it lets her get through, right?
0: Right. Like, your opponent has to burn their lightning bolts or random other thing on, you know, Azusa before...
1: uh, On a Boreal Grazer. Or
0: or, or on Grazer before Azusa is relevant, right? Yeah. So, that gives you, like, the added equity. I don't know. Like, I don't think if I play this GP, I will play Anne right? Mostly because I just don't feel comfortable with a lot of the corner cases, my results in League. I've only played two leagues. My results have been medium, a uh, 4-1 and a 3-2, but it definitely felt like, hey, if I was better, would have done better. It's definitely a deck I'm interested in learning more of, right? But
1: I basically tested this list. Well, play, played some ones at the shops. This, the only card I don't recognizes kalani garden kalani garden i don't think was in the list um
0: that was I, one thing i noticed like feel the dead turns on fairly quickly but sometimes you just want that kalani garden so maybe that's a thing that needs to happen but jesus christ castle Gardenberg is just not not a
1: reasonable card i yeah i mean I had wet ball against me and I poked it and moved on with my life and laughed. And, I never but... answered that card.
0: I, I I never answered that card. I literally just like cast a titan through it by just putting basic forest into play and my opponents would just die to a 6-6 and some some zombies. It, Interesting. Like, like it, it's kind of ridiculous when someone's like here's my hate card and I'm just like here is my actual plan A, still in effect.
1: Here's my plan A on suspend.
0: <laughs> yeah, like one turn slower. Here's my plan A. Got you. What are you going to do? Alexa, wow. play who shot you? Like, what are you talking about?
1: Oh, they gave up. No, they have them. They have all of them. They have summoners, they have ancient stirrings, once upon a time, summoners pack. Yeah, this is like basic. Well, so the Oko's were on the sideboard. The EE was in the main. The four, you know, everything else was in the main. The Kalani Garden wasn't there. It might have been, I don't think it was two EEs in the main. I think it was just one. I think it says Radiant Garden. No, there's a Radiant Garden. There's, that's two Radiant Gardens in this 75. Whew. Uh Radiant
0: Garden or Kalani Garden?
1: No, Radiant. The the the, the, the Radiant Fountain. Sorry, Radiant Fountain.
0: Radiant Fountain. Okay, yeah. I yeah. I didn't feel like I needed a second copy of Radiant Fountain. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I don't know. There's a second one in this little sideboard. I guess they they wanted it to be... Well, it's Burn, though, online. It makes sense. A, Online's got a lot of... Burn. I'm a simple man.
0: I asked Edgar Magiash for a deck list. He tells me to play a 75, and I load it into Magic Gathering Online and play it
1: that's fair enough <laughs> that's just
0: how i look you know i'm not i'm not thinking about how many kaladi gardens i want i'm not thinking about how many field of the deads or which array of kuru lands you know i i did think about maybe playing a golos and i was like oh man i could play like a random <laughs> <a> gogari <laughs> roger or something i was like golos would be kind of wavy like just 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 a one of just a one of it would be then a I, fun of You can't even, like, actually summoner's pack for it because it's not green. So that's when I realized that Golos isn't a card that's playable in this deck, probably because of that exact reason. And then I just moved on with my life and continued to play Edgar Magayosha's list. So uh, shout out to the homie. Follow him on Twitter at, uh, I'm pretty sure, his name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to spell it. Go to StarCityGames.com. And uh, just find him. He that's what this. Does well. So
1: this He's, one cut the the tri- the, the Steves, the Sakura Tribe Scouts for um, for the Okos and the grazers.
0: Sakura Tribe Scout was like consistently good for me. Like one thing I realized with the deck is like if you can't necessarily keep a hand that can't produce an Azusa quickly or a Secura Tribe Scout because you need to ha- be able to
1: get to the six mana by turn four ish. Um, I feel like Grazer's gotta be better than Tribe Scout. Grazer is
0: better if you. Like. <sighs> Grazer is better at, to a degree, right? Yeah. Like, at a, like in your seven cards' hands, Grazer is gonna be better, but if you, like, mold a six and you play a Grazer and don't put a lander play, your opponent's not gonna waste a resource on it. But if you play a Sakura Tribe Scout, your opponent's just snap killing it. So. There's, like, upside to both cards. Like, Grazer is better in some ways. In some ways, it's going to be much worse. And Secure Tribe Scout giving you counterplay against Ghost Quarter, Field of Ruin, etc. Just by holding your bounce lane and holding up the activation is probably a lot better than uh, just Grazer. Like, I, I feel like... Like, the floor in both cards is abysmal, but the ceiling on Tribe Scout... Is probably like the, or not the ceiling, the, the utility, the utility specifically of Tribe Scout is way better than the
1: arbitrary rant that Grazier provides. Yeah. I've, I've just, I just, I I know like Goldfish to Goldfish that Tribe Scout's way better because you're going to get multiple lands out of it. But well... Like, wouldn't Grazer
0: be better in a goldfish? Like, if you're if you're going into a format, like, say, say you're prepping for the SDG Players Championship, right? And you're like, I need to goldfish as fast as possible. That's when Grazer would maybe be better. But if you're in an open field where, you know, it's modern and people are going to play a bunch of things, that's when Sakura Tribe Scout is better because having the added, like, flexibility of just the, like, tap, put something into play, what have you, you know? Like,
1: I feel like you're gonna turn four more with Steve than Grazer, but I I hear what you're saying. I just I feel like you'll turn four with Steve, more reliably because if it gets two activations, you know. I mean, uh, sure. Like with Tribe Scout,
0: um, three. There, there's also like the upside of the whole like Field of the Dead synergy. Like at a certain point, you're just like play My Bounce Land, uh, put My Bounce Land into play with Tribe Scout. In the reverse order, you'd probably use the ability before you play it or whatever to play around removal or what have you. But um I like I get what you're saying. Like one card is faster, one card has more utility,
1: what have you. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I like I like the grazer a lot, but I could because you you definitely get it. Like if you're playing against removal, the grazer is better because you get it. Where you have to un- untap. It. With uh, scout, so
0: yeah, but the time walk is like as equity, right? Like grazer, you don't get like nobody's spending a card to kill it, which means they aren't spending mana, which means they aren't impeding themselves to interact with you. Whereas with um, tri scout, you're trading a mana for at least one or two mana. Like there were multiple times where I play a tri scout and my opponent would drown in the locket. Or something. And it's like there's yeah. your whole turn. Like I trade it up in mana and your whole turn, so I get to untap and do something. So Yeah, like I there's could see definitely that. equity in that, right? So well, if shifted. there's like I if i are playing as like burn that. and dredge, right?
1: Mm-hmm. If you
0: expect a bunch of burn and dredge and just like these decks that aren't nest they can interact with you, but their goal isn't necessarily to do so. Maybe Grazer is better. But if you're playing against, like I said, just an open field where there's gonna be people interacting with you. It's not it's it's not guaranteed, but it's basically guaranteed, right? It's a modern tournament. There's gonna be junk guy, there's gonna be celestial colonnade die guy. There's <laughs> gonna be <laughs> Look, I was that guy for a while. Uh actually I only play Celestial Colonnade when it's busted. Um that's a weird sentence I only I've only played Celestial Colonnade in Modern.
1: I wanted to hear that recent... sentence all over again. <laughs>
0: yes, I gotta pause <laughs> and correct yeah. myself. Uh, I've only recently played Celestial Colonnade. It's been very consensus-driven that Celestial Colonnade is one of the best things you can be doing. Like when Miracles was just somehow one of the best decks, Right. Or sometimes, like, blue eye control randomly becomes the best deck, and that's when I usually play blue, like, celestial colonnade. But I don't play it otherwise because it's a very uh, miserable
1: experience. Uh, yeah. I don't even remember oh. what I was ranting about before. <laughs> um, colonnade busted. Oh, you play against colonnade guy when you play against like the, the decks that you know have interaction, it's better to play grazer when it's not. It's better to play, Steve.
0: No, it's better to play Stack Tribe Elder when there's more interaction because you're time-walking your opponent. Whereas, like, what I'm saying is in Goldfish Mirrors, you want the card that Goldfish is better and doesn't require you to untap with it, right? Whereas in Interactive Mirrors, uh, you want the card that your opponent will be forced to interact with because it will clear the way for your other cards that matter more. So, like, like
1: I think. I said, I think the Oko is what it is. If you play main deck Oko, you want Grazer. I, you want to, play, you I want to t- Oko at all. Maybe,
0: like, Edgar didn't really have an opinion on Oko because he hasn't tested it a lot. I watched. there's a guy... People need to have actually pronounceable Twitch names. Um, True. I can't, but I'm also racist
1: than I am, so what can I
0: say? Yeah, you can't... Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh what is this guy's name? Uh yeah, we're just gonna have to take this L and not give the shout out. Um Yeah, uh Jesus Christ, it's like FJ something or rather. There's a P thrown in there. Uh <laughs>
1: Or is it FZ? F Paul Luz, F Paul L U S Z.
0: Okay, yeah, F P A W L S U Z M T G on Twitter. Uh, plays a lot of Amulet. My guy, <laughs> homie, please, please.
1: Oh, F Paul L U S <laughs> Z M T G is his Twitter name, and then F. P-A-W-L-S-L-U-S-Z is his Twitch name. So his Twitch name with an MTG is his Twitter name. Huh. Yeah, that was nice. an emotional
0: experience. I'm not going gonna... to. Um, did
1: he play Oko? Tell me he played Oko.
0: Yeah, homie's been crushing with Oko. Um,
1: Turn to Oko, man. All I got to say. Not main
0: deck, but sideboard. But yeah, like you said, Once Upon a Time, Azusa... Uh, Sack Tribe Scout, which he is on. Uh, he's only on two Castle garen Birds. Edgar was like, play a third, because that card slaps. And I did, and that card slapped. Um <laughs> That card is messed up. <laughs> There's so many times where you just get to set up lines where you just get to murder your opponent very quickly. Because slaps. of that card. So, um... Yeah. Uh... Check out <laughs> Lutz MTG on uh, your internet, um, and Edgar Google him, you'll figure it out.
1: He's on. Uh-huh. The, he's on the Legacy League. He's on
0: the leaderboard of SCG. Dude's are just a master of Magic: The Gathering. Um, but yeah, yeah. For now, if you and keep tabs on us, you can find me at Lawrence Harmon on Twitter, Steve at Racelin I am, uh, or if you don't want to figure out how to spell all those out, just hit us up at Thirst for Cast. Uh, Have a good one.